Okay. Here we are. Here we are. 20th episode. So. <laughs> so this is Brown Burndown. Brown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. The Brown We're so excited to be talking about Never Have I Ever, which is kind of like the biggest thing. Right. Indian Americans are having like this huge moment. So obviously we have to dedicate this whole episode to Never Have I Ever. I don't think I really fathomed that this was going to be a big deal just because like looking at Mindy's past work, like I have this in the show notes too, but like someone reminded me the other day that Mindy did Champions. Do you remember that? Oh my god. I, <laughs> I No, I'm impressed that she did champion. So she had just like a series of like champion-esque. That's not fair. That Champions was a low. But she she's not had any big hits. And we'll talk about like sort of what we think. But this is like a real hit. Yeah. Everyone is talking about it and watching it. We've been getting a gazillion texts about it. And that means a gazillion people have been watching it. And we do not get a gazillion texts about, like, the Citizenship Amendment Act. Which... Oh, no. Maybe we should. Are you believed maybe more important? (laughs) We said this is the most important. So, yes. This is huge in terms of brown representation. So, obviously, we got to talk about it. And, obviously, this is our 20th episode, which is also a huge milestone. That is good. Yeah, this is a momentous episode and a momentous occasion. We we love our <laughs> opening segments as much as the next person, but we're going to keep it short because we have a lot of thoughts, and our friends had a lot of thoughts about Never Have I Ever, and we could yeah. probably do, like, seven episodes on it, honestly. Let's kick it off um, with kind of short Short versions of our typical segment. So let's start with lies we told. Robs, did we tell any lies? Sadly, we did. And I think we knew we were lying when yeah, we, we knew when we <laughs> when we pitched this idea to get bangs. Um, <laughs> we seriously thought about it, but like we did not do it. So uh, listener Pooj, who's a new listener, <laughs> you can all probably guess what that's short for, <laughs> was. Um, she DM'd us on Instagram, which, um, by the way, you guys should all follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is better than I expected it to be. But anyway, listener Pooch uh, told us that we should get wispy bangs, which now I'm really into the idea of, because have you seen Normal People, Robs? Yeah, uh, the main actress in it has, like, the wispy longer bangs, wispy bangs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Pooch, for the suggestion. If anyone has any how-to YouTube links of how to get wispy bangs, let me know. Wisp. I think it's going to look amazing. Okay, keep, we'll keep you updated on this front. Yeah. Okay, um, lingering thoughts? Lingering thoughts. So, Tars watched Family Karma. Uh, yes, you I watched, did. Did you watch the first couple episodes? You did, right? I watched the first episode. I have not watched the second one yet, but that's on the agenda for today, hopefully. It's really good. I did not yeah. expect to like it. And I watched it, lol, with my cousin and my brother. And um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good old family reunion. And it was, we all have very different taste in media, I would say. Like, vastly yeah. different taste in media. And we all loved it. Like, it was, like, universally lovable because it was, like, 
trash enough for anyone but rang kind of true and it was like I don't I don't watch a lot of reality tv but um (laughs) I think it did a really good job of like the Indian American experience which we can talk about how successful or unsuccessful Mindy was in um Never Have I Ever but like I like that there was like some aspects of like oh like they bless the car and there's like Mm -hmm. that's like a very like Indian thing to do I don't know like they're also just really American at heart. And I think it does a really good job walking that line between like what it's like to be between cultures in a way that I haven't seen a lot of media do well around being Indian American. Either you just like pretend that they're white, but they look different or it's like really lean in and like you wear Indian clothes and like whatever. So I think I thought it was like nice to see. I agree. I also thought, um, I think there's one of the characters, Amrit, who is, gay and out to his parents and has yeah. a boyfriend and I don't know I think that was a story that was it just hasn't been told very well and it was really well done in the show yeah okay well I'll keep watching and I okay also I'm worried it'll get canceled because I was looking up ratings and it's not doing as it's well doing as well. they thought it, it, would. it barely it was getting like half a million views yeah which at is first like bad I think right yeah and it was like going downhill so watch it if I mean, you haven't <gasps> Um, Nick Yanka Watch? Yes. 2020. Hashtag Nick Yanka Watch 2020. <clears throat> so one of our listeners, Yanka, correct me if you had a name before, but I like Yanka <laughs> a lot, um, was was like, uh, DM me and she was like, hashtag Nick Yanka 2020 shout out, never have I ever. And I was like, oh my God, this is catching on. Like, I love that that's <laughs> what you thought when you heard it. Um, what are they up to, Rabs? Well, so as usual, um... P-chops. She's still promoting women <laughs> at the front lines of the COVID crisis under, you know, a thinly veiled Spike Seltzer ad. But, <laughs> oh my god. So basically, um, that's still happening. It's going strong. Wait, um, I'm not going to tell- even say the name of the Spike Seltzer, but I'd never heard of it before. Until Don't this- say it. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. Um, wait, tell. But it's tell, so it's like so interesting because she'll go live on Instagram and she'll be like, "I want to feature these like four nurses and and uh, workers who are delivering food and like their stories are amazing and they're awesome people who obviously deserve being celebrated." But in the background, she'll have her like bottles of Spike Seltzer. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's really all that she's been up to. I mean, Nick is what hosting the Voice from from home. Yeah, it looks like he bought a special, like, swivel red chair just to have at home. But then for some reason, he, like, did, like, a... I bet their PR... Like, I can't imagine how busy publicists are right now because your celebrity client has to look, like, relatable and humble, but from their, like, mega mansions, you know? So, like, how do you... How do you keep it... How do you keep it real? So, like, Nick, clearly, <laughs> when The Voice, like, was supposed to be home, he, like, bought this red swivel chair that looks really nice, but then he, like, wrote on a piece of, like, lined <laughs> notebook paper, like, Nick, his Nick, name, yeah. and, like, taped it. Maybe it wasn't lined. Maybe it was just, like, printer paper, but it's, like, Nick in, like, the bubble markers. Yeah, yeah, in bubble letters <laughs> and taped it to the back of the chair. It's, like... <clears throat> Cute. I would love to be a publicist, right? No, I wouldn't. But it would be so interesting (laughs) to, like, see how they're thinking about these things. Yeah, so I think that's it. They're not doing that much exciting stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, the only other thing that we can talk about is the references to Priyanka Chopra in Never Have I Ever, Mm. which we're going to talk about anyways. But she got two references. She got two. Two shout-outs. She's the only... (laughs) 
Indian actor who got any shout-outs? Any shout-out. By the way, spoilers for Never Have I Ever. So if you haven't oh, yeah. seen it, you should not listen to this episode. Yeah, but that's it. That's all we really have to say about Nick Yonka Watch. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they start releasing a podcast soon. Well, yeah, because every celebrity plus their mother has a podcast now. <laughs> they have to do something for attention. Yeah, speaking of living off of seltzer, uh, guess who has to share their personal lives via book form in order to make a living now is Prince Harry <laughs> and Meghan Markle. Um, but it's it's called like finding freedom, like the tale of modern modern royal family. <laughs> wow, that so, is actually juicier than expected already. Yeah, but TBD. I'm sure that they've signed tons of NDAs, and I'm sure that they still oh, have yeah. some financial ties to. Oh yeah, they're the pond, relying so. on Charles for money. Yeah, so I don't think they can truly tell all, but that was something new that just came out. And now, let's move on to thoughts from our friends slash the main event, which is Never Have I Ever. Okay, so we've been talking about this show for a while now because when Mindy Kaling launched or, like, announced this casting call on her social media platforms. Uh, April 12, 2019. Yeah, like, over a a year year ago. ago. Okay, it said, attention, Daisy ladies. I'm holding open casting calls for leads in my new Netflix show. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to do this. The parts are so juicy and funny, and I'm so excited to meet you. Full info is here. Good luck. So, yeah. So, she announced this open casting call, and um, it was also announced that she was going to be working on a project with Netflix on a like semi-autobiographical coming-of-age story about... Uh, a Desi teenager in the United States growing up. And the show finally came out last week. came out on, like, April 27th, I think. And it's a 10-episode series on Netflix starring this actress who is the Million Canadian? Sri Lankan the Million Canadian, but she doesn't like to be affiliated as Sri Lankan. Sri Lankan, because her family had to leave. Her name is, oh, her name is Maitri... Ramakrishna. Oh, Maitri. I was looking at Maithili and it was not coming through. Yeah, I think it's Maitri Ramakrishna, who is 18 years old, right? Um, Literally was in high school when she made her audition tape for the show. She began acting in school plays in grade 10, and she got this role when she was in grade 12. So she'd been acting... For like a year and a half, maybe. For a year and a half, yeah. Maybe a year. So anyways, yeah, so she was a star, and then the um, other two leads, I don't know, she was actually found through this open casting call. The other two leads, I think the sister Kamala, who's played by Richa Murjani, so she, I think, was from the open casting call as well, but she was like an established actress. She's, I think, 30, and so she had been doing other projects. She had an agent and stuff, and the mother was definitely not from an open casting call because... She's a famous actress. She's actually like, yeah, she's in Delhi Belly. She's in Ye Jawani, Hey Diwani. Um, she's in Night of. Night, the Night of. She's in that new show, uh, Defending Jacob. But yeah, they, so it's like a, a totally new cast. The cast is super diverse, which I thought was exciting, super but not diverse. in some regards. So we'll talk about that also. Yeah. Currently, the show is doing extremely well. It has like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes when I last checked this morning. It was number one on Netflix across, like, many different countries. Which did you see BJ's tweet about it? No, what did he tweet? BJ Novak, her um, 
maybe father of her child was um he like had this tweet on uh, where he was like I like wanted to congratulate my good friend Mindy on her show which is like amazing but then I saw that it's literally number one in every country around the world and he like screenshotted it and he was like so I guess everyone agrees with me like congrats Mindy like you're amazing or whatever that's actually really cute oh yeah. my gosh wait, I'm reading it right now it's so cute <laughs> so yeah it's doing really really well which is really exciting because as we mentioned earlier we didn't have super high hopes for a Mindy show to be honest so Tars and I watched this at two different times. So I watched it first, and then I tried to not bias you by telling you what I thought of it, but I think I failed in that. No, no you didn't. You didn't. Parts of the show, I think overall for me, it was like sixty percent cringe, forty percent like funny. Lo- love this, and I think a lot of that had to do with the last two episodes, were, which were mm. extremely redeeming for me. Yes. Um, overall, I think I view the show as. A, a portrayal of one person's experience as an Indian American, um, one yes. person's experience as a high school student who's both trying to like succeed academically and socially. And it was not necessarily representative of my high school experience, mm-hmm. but I think it's a good stepping stone for other like better stories about brown Americans to be told. I feel like we, we've discussed this, Harry's like the person to do this for the first time was going to be Mindy. Yes. Like, she obviously was going to have the, like, claim over telling the story first, um, just because she's, like, you know, the, like, the Platform. viewership that comes with something like this. Yeah. And so, but overall, I'm happy that it exists. And if there's going to be season two, then I hope it's just better than the one that was already released. Yeah. I mean, I super agree. I was, I saw it after up, so I was, like, live messaging her as I watched it. (laughs) I love this. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, it was really hard to get through the first three episodes, I think, especially. Like, Mm -hmm. I think at episode four, it kind of turned around for me, and then I started to time pass watch it. But by the last two episodes, I was sobbing. I was obsessed with it. And we were just talking about how it kind of reminded us of Fleabag. Mm-hmm. In some ways where it's kind of a story about grief that's disguised as a story about something else, like grief and isolation. Um, and I think she did that incredibly well. And it kind of showed to me what Mindy's actual strengths as a storyteller are. It's like me psychoanalyzing her is like she became really big from The Office, which is a show about cringe. Like that was like The Office was yeah. about like cringe. Totally. And she can do that. She's very capable of doing that. I don't think it, that's as funny anymore as it was with The Office, and I think she's leaned into it a little bit too hard. Um, yeah. And I think, actually, she's a really good storyteller, like, emotional storyteller, and, like, the story that she was able to tell about, like, losing a parent um, and, like, mother-daughter relationships in, like, the Indian community and probably applicable more broadly was some of the best TV I've seen this year for sure yeah like it was incredibly well done um and I think that aside from some of the acting problems which we'll talk about I think that like Mindy does this wish fulfillment thing in almost all of her work where like Mm -hmm. she almost everything she does is somewhat autobiographical and that I think is dangerous because she like clearly sees herself in baby she clearly saw herself in the character in late night like she clearly saw herself in Mindy in the Mindy project and so she does a lot of like wish fulfillment stuff and that makes some of the storylines just super unbelievable and I think like her like her romantic subplots just didn't feel real at all to me especially the Paxton one and that like really marred the show for me I, I mean that's a strong word but like it just like 
the reason that the last two episodes landed so much for me was because I like believed it and I saw it so much. That is, I agree with that completely. In collecting thoughts from our friends, which we're going to feature it kind of as we talk about this show, I think it was like, that was the biggest surprise to me after I'd watched the first few episodes, how many people were like instantly super into it versus not. And, um, one of our friends, um, Mel saw that she said it was very similar to my so-called life and I do think that um the beginning part of the show was kind of like a worse version of a lot of teen tv shows you know Mm -hmm. I was at one point messaging Rabs there was like a scene from Riverdale and I was like this is the best scene in the show so far like Betty's acting has done circles around all these people yeah that was really funny and maybe it was like unfair of me to not like it out the front because I like had expected it to be more representative of like my high school experience and that's why I couldn't watch it like I would watch like I don't know High school musical. That's a bad example. But like like <laughs> Riverdale or something. <laughs> I want to go to your high school. Um, but yeah, like, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Yeah. Which isn't fair to the story. It shouldn't have to yeah, be. Yeah, I think that brings up a really good point of just like the expectations that every, I feel like not just us, but like everyone had going into this yeah, show. Like yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. part of it is that we were expecting too much of it. Yeah. But then on the flip side of that, like, why not expect too much of it? And, like, that's like, right. the purpose of this podcast is to, like, hold <laughs> things to higher standards, right? And I think, like, we all benefit from doing things like that. Like, a lot of different things where I was like, I don't believe that the character would make this decision at this moment. And I think, like we said, the lead actress, like, she started acting in 10, like, it shows. I mean, people are really nice on the internet, which is good because you shouldn't be mean to like little brown girls. And like, it's so cool that she got this role and I'm sure she's like learned a lot from this experience. It's also not that she's surrounded by incredible actors who like are able to sort of like Elevate soften her, her edges. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. What were your thoughts on sort of like baby's romance plot lines? Okay. I thought this was like the least compelling, least believable and most problematic part of the (laughs) whole show. My biggest issue is with, like, both of the romantic interests. Like, we've already talked about Paxton and how, like, that relationship, just, like, the formation seems super inorganic. There's been this, like, fandom that's emerged since since the show has come out. Um, Spoilers, also, whether you're Team Ben or Team Paxton. So Paxton, like Tars mentioned, is... It's like super hot jock who's like not exactly smart. Um, who they twenty nine years old IRL. Oh yeah, cash. <laughs> Ten years older than this actress who plays Davy. Um, he is from a different like social circle or whatever at school, and so like their relationship, like the way that it happens, is is very forced and like kind of cringy and awkward. But then also like he's just kind of a. He's just a jerk to her still. I don't know. That was, like, he's just, like, so blah. Like, it's not even, like, worth talking about him more than that. But (laughs) on the flip side, like, Team Ben is Ben, her, like, arch nemesis at school, her, like, competitor academically mostly. But he's awful to her. Yeah, he's worse. He calls her things that are, like, like, you just do not come back from. And he also, like contributes to her spiral and her like mental health struggles in a really real way by calling her these like really horrible things and I just don't know why Mindy made that choice it's one thing to have him say like 
kind of nasty, like, kind of a jerk boy, but it's another to be, like, unforgivably cruel and lead to someone's mental health spirals and leading her to make some really questionable decisions because of, like, what he said to her. I just, that... I don't know why she chose to include that, and I don't know why I'm supposed to, like, be rooting for this guy at the end. Super problematic, and um, she did something super similar in Late Night, where she ends up having this relationship with this guy who calls her, like, the token diversity oh, hire. yeah. And it's like, this, these people are extremely racist and horrible, and, like, they don't need to have a redemption storyline. Like, it's okay to just cast them off and, like, yeah. find better people. Actually, that's such a good point. That's her, like, thing. It's also her thing in the office with, um... Ryan. With Ryan. (laughs) He's terrible to her, and it's like... I think she's, like, more self-aware about it in the office, but, like, yeah, this is her trope that she leans into. Oh, also, Uh they're reading the geometry textbook upside down. (laughs) Also, wait a second. This is my... I think my sister said this. She's like, who is doing geometry in the 10th grade? (laughs) Yes! Like, maybe that's super nerdy, and maybe people do do geometry in the 10th grade, but I feel like you're on no, to, like, algebra No, you take it in 8th grade. Yes. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Pre-calc. And, like, you're not taking AP French and geometry in the same geometry. year. Geometry. That's just not how that works. Yeah. She could have done a little bit more research there in the writing. Okay, also... What really bothered um, A-Dog and me was we were watching the Model UN scene, and as, like, (laughs) recovering Model UNers, it was atrocious, because that's not how any of it works. Like, yeah, okay, like, you can't, like, start a nuclear war or whatever, but also, like, the, like, clearly this is, like, catered to an audience who is supposed to, like, find the Model UN stuff funny, not people who are too cool for Model UN and don't get the references, but, like, Things like yielding to the chair is, like, what you do. Like, that's the standard protocol is you always it's yield to the like, chair. It's not like, oh, damn, she no, yielded to the chair. No, not at all. <laughs> okay, so anyway, yeah, we're talking so about wait, the romances. Back to, back, yes, the romance. Yeah, no, I felt very similarly. I thought that, like, Ben's, like, the way he treated her in the first few episodes was unforgivable. And for her to, like, end up living with him at the end was just sad. But the thing, like, Ben, at least I, like, could kind of believe it. Like, I was like, okay, but that would happen in high school. Like, I think it's a horrible message to send, but I also think that, like, that definitely happens where, like, someone's, like, really horrible to you, but, like, then you kind of have a crush on them because of it or whatever. Like, that's very high school to me. But the thing is, like, Mindy's whole thing with white boyfriends and Ben is, like, very clearly white. Paxton is half Japanese. It's kind of played as, like, a laugh every now and then. But also, I was reading this, this interview because the actual actor who plays him, Darren Darren Barnett, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, he was cast. the The original character's name was just Paxton Hall, and Ooh. then Mindy and uh, Lang Fisher, the other co-writer of the show, um, sh- they heard him speaking in Japanese because he's half Japanese. And they were like, oh, whoa, like, are you Japanese? And so then they added the Yoshida to the character's name after learning that. And, like, wrote in all the... Interesting. (laughs) Also, why is Paxton a senior but, like, exclusively hanging out with sophomores? I didn't get that either. I didn't get that either. Like, I get he failed that one class, but, like, why are... Where are your friends? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that's really interesting that he... um, It was... Very much not intentional. But I think, like, what you're saying is that Mindy has this pattern of just never representing brown and black uh, men, especially, yeah. well. And I think it was S-Dog who sent me 
the best series of texts. Where are the men of color on this show? Why are there so few positive representations of black and brown men? Also, there are very few actually dark boys at her school, which I think there were... I don't think there was a single black man on the whole show. Yeah. The one thing was Harish at Ganesh Puja. Oh, yeah, for, like, the hottest of seconds. Hot second, yeah. I also liked what she said about, like, the black women in the show, which were the Oh, yeah, S-Dog also said... Why is it that black women are only ever portrayed as sassy stereotypes? Has Mindy ever met a black woman? <laughs> yep. This is so true. Mindy cast two main black women to be in the show, with the exception of Fabiola's mom. But yeah. the therapist and the high school principal are are both black and essentially have the same personality. The like they're sassy. Right? Yeah. They're like this. <laughs> You know what I mean? They're interchangeable. Like, oh, they're both black, sassy women. Cool. And that's just so far from true. Like, why can't we just... I don't know. Why can't she just do better than that? I don't understand. Like, some way she's subverting tropes for her, like, for South Asian women. In some ways, she's super not. We should talk about the Kamala storyline next. But um, she's not doing it for anyone else. Let's talk about the Kamala storyline next. Yes. Um, So... You could have totally cut this storyline out, and I think the show would have been... Like, it was such a, like, small part of the overall series that it was sort of random. The Kamala and Steve stuff, I think, happened over the course of, like, six minutes, maybe. And I was invested zero in either of those characters. There's two sides of the cliche. One side of the cliche is like, oh, I'm being forced into an arranged marriage. It's so hard. Woe is me. And then the other side is like, oh, actually, it's kind of nice like that my parents found someone. Like, the, those are the two sides of the cliche about arranged marriages. And I just don't think that there is anything new to be said about it unless, I like, some of the things that we've talked about, like how some arranged marriages do end in divorce and, like, how it's really hard to break out of an arranged marriage once your family has been really supportive of it and kind of, like, the like, community pressure that comes with being in an arranged marriage. Um, This felt like a lazy... The mom was, like, really pro-arranged marriage and kind of backwards, and they bought a clock for it, and then the, like, dude she ends up, like, meeting is actually awesome. Side note is that dude was super problematic. I I feel like he's been all over, like, subtle curry trades. Who is he? And we got some comments from some listeners about how they're like, I would be, like, I'd let myself be arranged him any day because he's hot. Um, first of all, all the Indians in the show, like the people who are portrayed to be Indian immigrants, they are all, with the exception of Davy's mother, they're from the U.S. Like yeah. they're not from India, so the accents are extremely forced. Like I would love to meet actual Indian people who talk like any of these people. It almost felt like she was making a mockery of Indian accents. Like it's. That guy, yeah, like you said, Tars, the guy she's arranged to to marry is super problematic. And yeah. they have this conversation after he finds out that she's had this like, secret boyfriend and he this whole thing might have just been like where he's like, actually, I'm like, I'm so happy to see that you're not like all these other Indian girls I've been set up with who like just do what they're told and like. And like you're clearly like, like, not ready for marriage. Like it's just like really condescending too. So condescending, and we were supposed to believe that that was attractive just because he's hot. Like, no, not buying it. Yeah, I thought that that was like I don't really know what I was supposed to take away from that storyline. I think what have been actually way more interesting was like 
seeing more of Kamala and Davy's relationship and, like, what mm. is it like to be next to a, like, sibling-esque figure who is just treated way better than you are when you have a son and a daughter and, like, how's the son treated versus mm. how the daughter's treated. But, like, it was kind of a similar dynamic where, like, this child, Kamala, is treated way better. And I think that is, like, really the fuel for the emotion of the last two episodes is how, right. like, the injustice of that. And I think there could have been a bigger build other than Kamala's perfect and, like, Davy begrudgingly agrees with... Her. Like, there was, like, resentment there that felt like it was missing and could have been, like, a really strong subplot for Kamala. Yeah, so that, that... storyline was forgettable to me. So let's actually move on to this last piece, which is, like, the stuff that we... We did a lot of stuff that we, like, didn't love. Let's talk about the yeah. stuff that we really, really loved, and then we'll close it out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you want to talk about the Ganesh Puja episode? Yeah, so the, I think it's episode four. Um, Baby has to go to her, like, the the Hindu Association of Southern California's <laughs> Ganesh Puja on a weekend, which is held at her high school, which I don't know about you, but, like, that is literally all of our Ganesh Pujas. We're not at my high school, but, at like, the local public high school. But also, the set design on this show, I was going to say, like, maybe because they were lazy and didn't want to have it at a school, but, like, that checks out that that's, like, actually where all these things are held. But the, like, set design in this show was, I want to move to Southern California, like, now. Her yeah. house and Ben's house and Fabiola's house really and the school nice. and, like, the beaches, like, Gorgeous. So well done. Yeah, very well done. It was very visually pleasing. Um, with the exception of, oh yeah, we didn't talk about like S-Dog. One of her thoughts was that um, the makeup artist didn't really know how to work oh, with yeah. people of color skin. And I, the, I watched, I think the Ganesh Puja episode one more time. And then, yeah, everyone's like kind of orange. <laughs> um, anyways, but to this Ganesh Puja episode, she goes to her local high school. She has to wear a half sari because she's, like, of that age now where she mm. should wear a sari and not just, like, a jeans and with a kurta on top. <laughs> and it's, like, uncomfortable. And I think it's, like, the only episode that really explores her relationship with being mm. Indian. And yeah. I think it's probably representative of Mindy Kaling's represent- mm. relationship yep. with being Indian. I don't think that was my relationship no. with being yeah. Indian, but I think I know, I think we both know people who are, like, Definitely. not happy with being Indian and, yeah. like, hate being Indian and are embarrassed by it. Like, Bobby Jindal, probably. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, I was gonna say, yeah, like, definitely, I think people who, like, grew up in really white communities, but also, yeah. like, it feels to me like an older generation thing as well. Like, people who were, like, maybe 10 years older than us and who, like, before the era of diversity is beautiful kind of really became mainstream. Like, I think we were kind of on the tail end of that. Of It was a little bit embarrassing to be Indian, but I think now it's less so maybe. Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I do no, think that I, there was, like, a first-gen issue I think so, too. Her. I think a lot of it was, like, about being first-gen and feeling, like, the need to assimilate and yeah. be a part of American culture and... That meant letting go of Indian culture and identity, but this episode I thought did a good job of of navigating that. And she is obviously in feeling incredibly uncomfortable in this like half sorry. It's kind of like a brat about it, but then yeah. on the flip side of it, she goes and talks to this college counselor guy who is white and essentially tells her like you like just you're just like another Indian kid. Yeah. Like you're not going to get into college unless if you have like some like special story to sell which I don't know how much Ugh. of that is true but I definitely agree with the part of like, I think oh, it yeah, is you're true. just like another Indian kid perfect SAT score thing perfect, yeah. yeah exactly and 
that's what she said. She's like, I'm not like other Indian kids. Like, I have, like, great grades and great test scores. And, like, I have a great personality. And, yeah. and like, how dare you tell me I'm not special? And I, I was, that was, like, one of the moments where I was like, yeah, I was like, I really needed yeah. to see that. And I think I could have benefited from seeing that growing up. I talked to my sister about this. My sister, her college counselor told her that she shouldn't, like, write her essay about being Indian. Because, like, every Indian person is going to write about that. And... Like, the, do you think they're telling white students that? Like, yeah. mm, please don't write an essay about, like, your horseback riding. Because, yeah. like, there's so many other white students writing about horseback <laughs> riding. Like, no, of course not. Like, I know, I so, agree. I think that was really well done. That was pretty well done. And then when her mom gets mad at her for doing it, and she's like, yeah. it's offensive, and her mom doesn't understand why. Yeah. It's like, I've been there, too. I've yeah. been in that exact same position, too. So, yeah. that episode felt pretty relatable. Our yeah. Hindu priest was not nearly as cool as the that's one chill. That yeah, he's yeah. so <laughs> I was like, cool. Who's this guy? This guy's really cool. <laughs> he was my favorite nope. character, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think like the reason that this show, I it's actually like I feel like I usually like we obviously have very strong opinions about everything, and I feel like for me it's really easy to be like good, bad, and like mm-hmm. here's why. Let me justify it. But this show, I feel so mixed because while there's stuff that we've talked about that I just, like, ugh, hated, cringe, the, like, last two episodes were just, like, two of, like I said, two of my favorite episodes maybe I've seen of television. Like, that's dramatic. Mm-hmm. But, like, we were sobbing, and it, it, the way that she captures the relationship between Indian mothers and daughters is just, mm-hmm. and fathers, honestly, and, like, sometimes the role that, like, the father plays in these relationships is... It's so beautiful and it's so poignant and it does feel like payoff for a lot of the work we've seen between her and her mother over the course of the series and like her growing isolation from her friends and from everyone else and like while she like wishes that she could lean on her mother like she really can't. I agree. I think that was probably the biggest selling point for this show was those last two episodes and in particular the way she captured the mother-daughter relationship. I think... Like, the best example I could think of before this of a, a production, I guess, that Kat tried to capture that was Lady Bird. And mm, I just yes. could never, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy Lady Bird, which is a whole other tangent. But yeah. I didn't feel like I could sympathize really yeah. with Lady Bird or totally. her mother. And I, I got the message of, like, oh, you just don't like me. Like, you may love me, but you may not, you just don't like me as a person. Yeah. And I think... Part of that is incorporated into this mother-daughter yeah. relationship, but I think the like the cultural barriers here that yes. emphasize that divide and yes. also complicate that relationship more was just so well done. Yes. That was some of the most accurate representation of that relationship that I think I've ever seen. Obviously, the father's death amplified some of the emotions mm-hmm. around this. Two things that I really liked about that also were like, yeah, I think the mother-daughter relationship was done in a way that I haven't seen, and I totally agree with you. I don't think Lady Bird, res- Lady Bird resonated with me as much. Um, the moving to India, too, I think that was, like, could have been really cliche, but yeah. it was, it was like, it was really, really sad, and how she, her mother was like, I'm having trouble raising you here, and that was just, like, that broke my heart of, like, not only do we have this tough relationship, but you think I'm a bad person. You think I'm, like, really not who you wanted me to be and you're going to take me away from everything I know and love to mold me into a better version of myself right, um, right. overall takeaways I guess 
we've talked about the bad, the good. Um, I hope it gets renewed because I think more representation is always a good thing. I think that Mindy could probably pick up on storylines and explore them in a better way going forward. It's hopefully a good stepping stone for better stories to come. Yeah. And I think, like, she really did find her stride a little bit towards the end. Even, like, with the humor of, like, the Indian uncle. Like, that was hilarious. Yeah. That was, was really good. So and there, even, like, the teacher in the first few episodes, like, that was really <laughs> funny. Like, she's got, like, her moments of, like, something she's got nailed. And I think that, like, with another season, she would hopefully be able to lean into those a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's a really exciting step, and I think it, like, lives up to the hype. Like, I think it's, it's, it lives up to the hype, and I'm so excited that it does, because I was really worried that it wouldn't, and this would be it for us, us Browns in the media. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just the beginning. I think our peers and our loyal listeners <laughs> should definitely watch it if you haven't had a chance to. Yeah. Okay, well, we're not going to do a hot take today, because this was an episode of our hot takes about Never Have I Ever, um... But feel free to send us your hot <laughs> takes at uh, theroundburndown at gmail.com. You can DM, on, DM us on Instagram, thebrownburndown. Um, you can tweet at us, at brownburndown. And stay tuned for a surprise episode that may or may not be coming your way from the past.